TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. Welcome in. Celtics about to lose right now. They're down a buck 11 to 102. We'll get into that game in greater detail and just some things that the Celtics should be eyeing at the trading deadline in just a little bit. But I want to start with this. So the big theme today has been that the Patriots are being linked to receivers. So the first thing is Mel Kuyper from ESPN put out his mock draft and he has the Patriots at number one or number 21 rather. That'd be cool if they had the number one pick. But at number 21, taking Jamison Williams, the receiver out of Alabama. Now, the other thing today is this. Benjamin Albright reports, would not be surprised at all to see wide receiver Kelvin Ridley dealt to New England this offseason. And we've heard a lot of smoke with the Kelvin Ridley name over the past couple of days or so that the Falcons are looking to move him. They're looking to shed salary. He's going to be on his fifth-year option next season. And he could be on the move. So, you have... A first-round receiver in the eyes of Mel Kuyper Jr. You have a really good receiver, and we'll get into the issues with Calvin Ridley in just a little bit here in terms of being linked to an NFL reporter. And this, multiple people have reported this over the past couple of days that the Patriots could be linked to Calvin Ridley. By the way, the Celtics do officially lose 111 to 102. So if you're leaving the game, or you're not leaving the game yet, but if you want to weigh in on that, you certainly can. It's 617-779-7937. I'll get into the Celtics in greater detail in a little bit. But I want to start Patriots, as I was just alluding to. So the other component to this is, I believe, and maybe you disagree on this, I believe that the Patriots' number one priority this offseason needs to be getting a number one option for Mac Jones. Without question, that is the number one thing. And I'm not telling you they don't have more needs. they got to figure out what they're doing with J.C. Jackson at the cornerback position. Are they paying him? What are they doing there? They have to figure out what they're doing with the linebacking core. they got to figure out what's going on with the offensive line because, of course, Ted Karras is a free agent. Trent Brown is a free agent. So you got to figure out that whole situation as well. So there's a lot to do in terms of what the Patriots need to accomplish this offseason. And then, of course, you're going to have to make a decision. Dante Hightower, my guess would be that he's going to retire. But you got to make a decision on Devin McCourty. If Devin McCourty does want to continue to play football, are the Patriots going to bring back Devin McCourty? So those decisions are all out there, and we're going to have plenty of time to get into all those. But I think all those decisions take a backseat to what the Patriots are doing in terms of getting Mac a legitimate number one receiver. So here's what I'll toss out. And when I say the Patriots are going to take a shot on a number one option, 
That means either a first-round pick in the draft, and I'll even say a first or a second-round pick in the draft on a receiver, a high pick in the draft on a receiver, going outside and signing one in free agency, a la Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, one of those guys. Will the Patriots, Odell Beckham Jr. is a free agent. Will the Patriots go after a big-name receiver in free agency? Will they draft one in the first or the second round? Or will they try to acquire one via trade, a la Calvin Ridley, who we just alluded to? So, will the Patriots do any of those three things this offseason? What do you think? Will Belichick actually pull the trigger, select a guy early in the draft, trade for one, or go out and get one via free agency? 617-779-7937 is the number. So, before I give you my answer on that, this is what Mel Kuyper says about Jamison Williams. What stuck out to me as I watched the Patriots was their lack of playmakers in the passing game. Their top two receivers were former undrafted free agents, Myers and Bourne, and their tight ends didn't beat defenders after the catch when they got open. Well, Jonu Smith, when he rarely did get open, he did beat guys after the catch. He averaged north of eight yards per reception after the catch, but the problem was he didn't catch the ball very often, and Bourne was one of the best in the NFL after the catch. On a per-catch basis, he averaged seven yards per reception after the catch. In terms of Yak, that was sixth amongst non-running backs. So that's actually not true. Now, as a team, they got to be better. They were 13th in Yak yards, but that's actually not true, what he's saying there. Nikhil Harry hasn't developed like they hoped. No kidding. If they can get a deep threat for Jones here, they should be thrilled. Williams had a fantastic season for the Crimson Tide, catching 79 passes for 1,572 yards and 15 touchdowns. He would likely be in the top 10 range if he didn't tear his ACL in the title game, which means he might not be ready for training camp. Still, I don't think he's going to fall too far because he's a true number one wideout when he's healthy. This is good value for New England. Look, I'm not telling you anything set in stone like Mel Kuyper Jr.'s mock draft means the Patriots are definitely taking a receiver in the first round. But I do believe, to answer my question, the Patriots are either going to take a receiver in the first or the second round or trade for a guy, or go out and sign one in free agency. So the reason that this Jamison Williams thing makes a ton of sense, I mean, you look at the numbers too, 19.9 yards per receptions, per reception rather. How about this too? Think about where he's coming from, Alabama. And I went back to 2000 on this when Saban was some of his players coming over from Michigan State in terms of the NFL draft, and then of course he goes to LSU in 2000. But if you go back to Saban's days at Michigan State, since Bill has been the head coach of the Patriots, he's drafted 13 players from the Nick Saban programs, if you will. That includes LSU, of course, Michigan State, and most recently Alabama. So there is the first connection in terms of this particular player in Jamison Williams. And let's not dismiss the fact, remember, the Patriots' first two draft picks last year, both from Alabama, Mac Jones and Christian Barmore. So that's the obvious connection as it pertains to the player is where he went to school. The other reason that this makes a lot of sense that the Patriots would target a guy like Jamison Williams. Now, you can say that this is not a good way to do business, what I'm about to say, but the reality is this is something that Bill has done in the past. Belichick very often has drafted guys that have fallen in the draft due to injury history. Think about it. Maybe the second best player in the second dynasty, if you will. Not the second most important, that was Edelman, but in terms of just definitely going to the Hall of Fame, Rob Gronkowski. He was drafted in the second round. Why? Because he had a back issue coming out of Arizona, and we saw that that was obviously an issue that would hamper Rob Gronkowski throughout his career with the Patriots. He was dealing with back issues and a million different injuries as well, but that's the best example of a guy that fell in the draft 
who should have been a first-round draft pick, but because of his injury history, he fell. Remember, he's hurt his final season there at Arizona. So Bill saw value in that guy falling, took him in the second round. Dominic Easley. That one didn't work out, but Bill drafted him because he felt he was falling because of his injury history. It turned out he just wasn't very good either. Malcolm Mitchell had an ACL injury at the collegiate level. Bill took him in the fourth round. People thought he could have gone further up in the draft. And, of course, we found out that that injury history is something that would follow Malcolm Mitchell into his NFL career. Then you look at Cameron McGrone, who they just took out of Michigan this past season. I was just talking to Mud about him. Fifth-round pick. Mel Kuyper, a couple of months prior to the injury, had him as a second- or third-round pick, a kind of do-it-all type linebacker guy. So you have the Alabama connection. And you have the connection of, well, does Bill see value? Jameson Williams could be a top 10 pick in the draft if he wasn't coming off a torn ACL situation. So Bill sees the value of, oh, I can get a top 10 player at number 21. Makes a lot of sense in terms of the connections there. Okay, so then let's go to the other thing in terms of what I was just mentioning as it pertains to Kelvin Ridley in terms of the possibility of making a trade. So what we've heard a lot of over... The past couple of years is certain distinctions with Belichick, certain characteristics of Belichick, certain things that he didn't do in the past. Well, one of the things we heard is, well, Belichick doesn't spend a whole lot of money in free agency. Okay, well, he just spent the most money in the history of the NFL, and he went out and he paid two tight ends. And both those tight ends, in terms of average annual value in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, are fifth in their position group. We ordinarily wouldn't see that type of behavior from Belichick, but he had to adjust because he didn't have the necessary artillery and weaponry at the tight end position after Gronk left. Now, Hunter Henry definitely worked out this season. He had a really good year. John U. Smith did not. But the point being that Bill kind of changed up how he built his roster because he was desperate at the tight end position. Then you look at, oh, well, Bill won't draft a quarterback in the first round. Well, Mac Jones was there at 15, and Bill drafted him with the 15th overall selection. So we've seen him sort of change his approach in recent history as it pertains to making moves. So this whole idea of Bill won't be aggressive in free agency with a receiver, well, that goes out the window considering what Bill did last offseason. And the other thing is this. How has Bill acquired receivers in the past? Well, think about the track record. And this is when I'm getting into the whole conversation of the Kelvin Ridley situation, where Kelvin Ridley is going to be on the market and his trade value is going to be less than everybody thinks it's going to be for two reasons. The first one is he had an issue where he needed a mental break and he stepped away from the team, never returned after that this season. So that's the first reason why his trade value is going to be down because of that. The other team is taking a risk, right? Whoever trades from, whether it's the Patriots or anybody else in the NFL, you're taking a risk in some sense. Even if you get an opportunity to talk to the player, you're still taking a risk as it pertains to that particular player. So the draft or the trade value rather naturally goes down. The other reason that the trade value goes down for Kelvin Ridley is because the Falcons are making it abundantly clear that they're trading the player. Remember the Stephon Diggs trade a couple of years ago to the Buffalo Bills? Not to say that it came out of nowhere. Diggs was unhappy there, but that was going on for like two years, and they pulled the trigger at the right time if you were Minnesota and you got that first-round pick. And by the way, Ridley has not had the career achievements, if you will, that Diggs had at that particular time. Ridley had a really good season in 2020. He was over 90 yards per game, but Diggs had done it for a couple of years there in Minnesota. So there's the fact that the Falcons have lost leverage because 
The player is dealing with a mental issue off the field. They've lost leverage because everybody knows they need to trade them because of their salary cap situation. So because of those two, two things, the price tag is not going to be as big as it ordinarily is. And the other thing as it pertains to receivers with Phil, he's traded for them a lot over the years. Think about the guy that set the world on fire when he came here to the Patriots, Randy Moss. You traded for him on draft day. I still remember that. I was driving back from a buddy's party the next morning, and it was like, holy crap, the Patriots got Randy Moss. They traded a second-round draft pick for Wes Welker. Okay, another guy that they acquired via trade. And I know nobody wants to bring this one up, but they did trade for a guy like Mohamed Sanu. They also traded for a guy like Brandon Cooks. They gave up a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. So if you look at the track record of Belichick, he has traded for receivers a bunch of different times during his career. And guys that have had... Big contributions to the team. Welker, Moss, and Brandon Cooks had a really good season for the Patriots when he was here. Quite frankly, I was kind of surprised when they let him go. And I know they got a first-round pick in return. I guess technically that would have been that would have been the win pick, right? Yeah, that would have been the win pick because Michelle was the last pick of the first round. So, they, yeah, yeah, I don't know how exactly how that worked out. Quite frankly, I would have liked to see them take a shot on Brandon Cooks this year at the deadline based on the guy was playing well. Nobody traded for him. He's been traded like a billion times in his career. But if you look at it in terms of why I believe the Patriots are either going to trade for a guy or draft one. There are a couple of reasons I lay out. And the other thing is this, in terms of another reason that the Patriots would make this change, is Bill's got to realize that if you look around the NFL, the top eight teams in touchdowns per game, Tampa, they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin prior to the injury. Dallas has CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper as well. We know with Kansas City, it's Tyreek Hill, and they have Kelsey as well at the tight end position. The Chargers have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Green Bay has Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the NFL. The Rams have the guy that just had the triple crown in Cooper Cup, and they have Odell Beckham Jr., and the Bengals just drafted Jamar Chase. So if you look at that's the top eight teams of the NFL in touchdowns per game, Bill has to realize that that superstar on the outside, that superstar weapon, is necessary in the modern-day NFL to build an offense. So with all those things considered, I do truly believe that Bill is either going to draft a guy in the first or the second round, trade for a guy a la Calvin Ridley, or sign a guy in free agency. There's no way around it. If he wants to get the best out of his young quarterback in Mac Jones, he has to make that move in the offseason. And I truly believe he thought he did it last offseason. He thought John U. Smith was going to be the guy, but the reality was John U. Smith just never turned out to be that type of player for the Pats. And the reality is that really hurt them this season because that was the pop guy. Hunter Henry was the guy that everybody thought was going to be solid. That's what he's been throughout his career. He's been a solid tight end. He has not been a top three tight end in the NFL, but he's been a solid tight end. I feel like he had a solid year. John U. Smith was supposed to be the guy that took that step forward. You were projecting going from Tennessee to the Patriots. He was going to be better here. The reality, he wasn't, and it really hurt the Patriots. So that's why Bill's going to go back into those waters again this offseason and land that number one option. All right, 617-779-7937 is a number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you want to weigh in on the Celtics losing to the Hornets, certainly can do that. I also want to get to this, though. If the Patriots want to get the most out of Mac Jones, they have to overhaul the offense. I'll explain what I mean by that next here on WEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, 
and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. This was a developing route team in terms of you're going to run to your spot and the ball arrives there. I don't think that there was a lot of post-snap, okay, what's he going to do? Okay, he's going to work off the linebackers, leverage this way, here he is, boom. But they need somebody to do that. When we say go get a number one receiver, it's so friggin' tired to me because it invokes evokes a player who's 6'2", 220, looks like A.J. Brown or Nikhil Harry or A.J. Green, and I don't want that. I want Debo Samuel. I want Cooper Cup. I want Julian Edelman. I want Hunter Renfro. I want Braxton Berrios. You don't need a number one. You need that particular human. Fast, small area type player who can be relied on on third and fourth. All right, so that was Tommy Curran on his podcast. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. 617-779-7937 is the number. Do you believe that Bill is going to go after a receiver in the first or the second round of the draft, trade for one like a Calvin Ridley, or go after a guy like an Odell Beckham Jr., a Chris Goblin, a Devontae Adams in free agency? Will Bill either spend a high draft pick or – Trade for a stud receiver or go after one in free agency. 617-779-7937 is the number. All three of those would be big investments in receivers. I believe Bill's going to do it because the team needs it right now. They don't have a reliable number one option for Mac Jones. I believe they thought they were going to get that in Jonu Smith. The problem was their projection wasn't right. It wasn't accurate. Jonu Smith didn't turn out to be the player that they thought, hey, we give him more opportunities like they gave him in Tennessee. They gave him a lot of opportunities, but not what the Patriots planned on doing. And after four games this season, they stopped throwing him the football because he wasn't very productive. But I disagree with a lot of what Tommy Curran said right there. So you don't want the 6-2, receiver. So you wouldn't want Jameson Williams in the first round if he's sitting there at 21. You wouldn't want that stud receiver. You wouldn't want Kelvin Ridley, who's six foot one. I don't really understand that. Like, I do understand the part of, okay, yeah, it'd be nice for the Patriots to get that prototypical slot receiver like they've had for years, whether it be Wes Welker, whether it be going back to the original dynasty with Troy Brown, most recently, of course, with Julian Edelman. Like I, That'd be great, but is that guy really out there? Is that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker guy out there? I feel like that's disrespectful to those guys. Like, oh, yeah, you can just find those guys. And he talks so 
Braxton Berrios. Like, oh, yeah, 26 yards a game last year. He's definitely Wes Welker or Julian Edelman. I get it. He had a couple of nice games down the stretch. But to throw that out there is that's the type of guy you want. Braxton over, Berrios. Yeah, that's the type of guy you want over the 6-1, guy. Why? He's not. If he was Wes Welker and we knew that he had that level of production, if he was Julian Edelman, sure. If you could guarantee me he was going to be Edelman, okay. But Braxton Berrios has never proven that throughout his NFL career. I'm not basing it on two games. And when I look at it, too, he references, like, you can have a guy like Debo Samuel. Yeah, Debo Samuel is like a legitimate number one option. Debo Samuel is not just a slot receiver. In fact, Debo Samuel is the opposite of a slot receiver. He averaged 18.2 yards per reception this season. You know where that ranked in the NFL? First! First in the entire NFL. So it's not as if he's just catching the ball right next to the line of scrimmage. Not to mention... Guy's incredible after the catch as well. 10 yards per reception after the catch this season. I mean, that guy's an unbelievable weapon. Of course, the Patriots, we all know the story there in terms of he, he thought he was going to come here. But the reality is, like, if you can get Debo Samuel, like Tommy Curran says he'd like a Debo Samuel type, name another Debo Samuel type in the NFL. Who else can be a running back and can be the best deep threat in the NFL in terms of his numbers last year? Who else is that guy? And who's that guy coming out of the collegiate level? You don't really have players like that that can legitimately play running back and can play receiver at elite levels. You don't have that guy. You can't just find a Debo Samuel type. In fact, it's much more difficult to find a Debo Samuel than it is to find a Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a great player, and obviously it's worked out tremendously for the Bengals, and he's second in the NFL in yards per reception. But it's much easier to find that type of player, like A.J. Brown, than it is to find Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is like a unicorn. That guy's one of one. Even Tyree Kill doesn't do all the stuff that Debo Samuel does in terms of his ability in both the pass game and the run game. But I did want to move to this for a second here as it pertains to what the Patriots need to do going forward. I feel like what's happened to the Patriots is the system has evolved at times offensively, but it hasn't really evolved enough, right? So, and part of the reason I say that is the Patriots, it felt like this year they were trying to go back to the Tom Brady offense, if you will, and because they really couldn't do that with Cam Newton at the helm, right? I mean, it's just, you can't really do the Tom Brady offense when you have Cam Newton. And when I look at Mac Jones, I feel like, okay, yeah, Mac Jones, I get it. He looks like Tom Brady, similar physical profile to Tom Brady coming out of the collegiate level. But I just feel like with Mac Jones, you have to make the offense easier than it was for Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady mastered that offense because he was in it for 20 years. And Tom Brady can take that offense to Tampa, and basically he stole the Belichick game plan from the Philadelphia Super Bowl where he was getting the ball out of his hands incredibly quick. I mean, last weekend, time to throw for Tom Brady, 2.17 seconds. The fastest in the NFL for a game the entire season. That's the same thing Brady did against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But nonetheless, just getting back to the original point as pertains to the Brady thing. Yeah, Brady can thrive in this offense, but I feel like you're not getting the most out of Mac Jones. You're not taking the most out of what Mac Jones does well, right? So if you look at Mac Jones throughout his collegiate career, And you kind of add up, well, what did he do well collegially? So Ben Solak from the, you know, now he's with the ringer. He's, he was with the draft network at the time. He put out the numbers in terms of what Mac did at the collegiate level last year in terms of his passing attempts. So 19% of his dropbacks came out of RPOs. 33% of his dropbacks were play action. And 58% of his dropbacks were RPO screens and play action. 
So if you look at it in terms of the play-action RPO game in totality, 52% of his passing attempts at the collegiate level at Alabama last year, 52% were out of RPOs or out of play-action. Okay, so let me get back to this for a second. Obviously, it's not going to be the same number that it was at the collegiate level. It's not going to be 52% of your passes out of play-action and RPOs. You're not going to have that high of a number, but you can have a much higher number than what the Patriots do with their offense, right? So if you look at Mac this season, he had just 32 passing attempts out of RPOs. And by the way, he was really good in those because, as we mentioned, at the collegiate level, he was elite. He was the best RPO passer in the country last year. You look at him this year, 32 attempts, he completed 28 of them. So he was really good. 87.5%, 108.9 rating. How about play action? Well, Mac was really good in play action as well. 74 of 104, that's 71.2% in terms of the completion percentage, a 97.8 rating. So he was really good in play action. He was really good in RPOs. All right, so the Patriots must have used both those a lot, right, in McDaniel's offense? No. 136 total attempts. So if you do the math, Mac Jones, just 26.1% of his passing attempts this season came out of RPOs or play action. 52% of his passing attempts last year at the collegiate level came out of RPOs and play action. So that number should be higher. And just to put it into context in terms of where some of the other quarterbacks in the NFL are, Josh Allen, 271 of his pass attempts this season came out of RPOs and play action. That's 42% compared to Mac Jones at 26%. Mahomes, 237 of his attempts, that's 36%. Even a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? 31% of his passes came out of RPOs and play action. Justin Herbert, 212, that's 31.5%. I did the math on all of these guys. Why is Mac Jones at 26%? Herbert's at 31.5. Jimmy's at 31. Allen's all the way up at 42. Mahomes is at 36. Why is the Patriots offense still in the Tom Brady mode or mold, so to speak, and it's not taking advantage of some of the newer stuff in the NFL that teams like the Niners dig in on? Teams like the Chargers dig in on. Teams like the Bills. And we all perceive Brian Dayball to be this great offensive coordinator. And I'm not denying that. He's a great offensive coordinator. But why wouldn't you take some of the things he's doing? Same thing with Andy Reid, taking advantage of that with Pat Mahomes. And remember, the RPO, you don't need the threat of the quarterback to actually run the football. That's a misconception, okay? That's the read option. We're talking about run-pass options, okay? And Mac Jones does it better than anybody coming out of the draft last year, and the Patriots really didn't dig into it. And if you look at it, it's basically Brady in 19. Brady's final season here in 19. 24% of his passes came out of RPOs and play action. Mac was at 26.1%. They're trying to run the same damn offense with Mac Jones that they ran with Tom Brady. Why? I don't get it. I get they look similar. Okay, and they have similar skill sets coming out of the collegiate level. But Brady mastered that offense. You need to take advantage of what your player does well. And Josh McDaniels has failed to do that. And I, I'm not just putting it on Josh McDaniels. It's a systematic thing. Obviously, Bill has some say in what the offense is, so why don't you dig into that stuff? That's what's so aggravating and so frustrating to me, especially when you don't have the necessary personnel right now in terms of the number one option at the receiver position that I think they should address. It makes Mac's life even harder without that particular player. Look at all the veteran quarterbacks in the NFL that have those legitimate weapons. Mac didn't have that as a rookie. So he didn't have that. He didn't have the number one option. And you didn't dig into the low-hanging fruit in the NFL, which is the RPO and the play-action game. Why? That's what doesn't make sense to me. 
And I believe that as a coach, you should be doing whatever makes your player better, whatever highlights your player's skill set. And the Patriots didn't do that with Mac Jones. And that's what's so aggravating and so frustrating to me about that. Because we've seen so many times in the past, the Patriots take a player, they bring him here, and they have him do what he does well. Why did they ignore that with the 15th overall pick in the draft, the guy that you're asking to be the quarterback of your franchise for the next decade or so, decade and a half, we hope, why didn't you dig into what he was good at at the collegiate level? All these other teams across the NFL are doing it. Why don't the Patriots do it? 617-779-7937 is the number. Will the Patriots go after a big-name receiver in the draft, in free agency, or via trade this offseason? Let's get to Jeff. He's in Marlboro. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what about a guy, a slot receiver guy from UMass, Andy Isabella? What do you think about him? Giving well, him a shot. I mean, he's really sucked at the NFL level. I mean, he's not really a traditional slot receiver. He's more of a deep threat than anything else. The guy's got good north-south quickness, but he's not like a Edelman-Welker type guy. Okay, okay. I was just wanted to know your thought on that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Jeff. I mean, like, honestly, like, bringing in an additional weapon, I don't mind <laughs> doing – they, like, taking a shot at a guy for cheap money because that's what Andy and Isabella is going to get. Like, I don't mind bringing another guy to camp or whatever, but it's not as if Is Isabella is the guy that you're looking after to give you value, so to speak, in terms of going after a number one option. He's not even a number five option right now at the NFL level. But the other thing I mentioned, too, real quickly here, or not real quickly, I got plenty of time tonight, I get till midnight, is I look at a guy like Bill O'Brien, right? Like, let's say the hypothetical is, that Josh McDaniels gets an opportunity with another team, uh, whether it be whoever decides, okay, we're going with Josh McDaniels, all the baggage that he has, the issues in Denver. And it's not just that he sucked as a coach in Denver. Remember, there was an issue with taping an opponent. They got a fine for that, right? I mean, they lost a draft pick in Denver. Then they leave the Colts at the altar. So there's baggage with Josh McDaniels that just isn't, he had a bad tenure in Denver. He was also crappy as the offensive coordinator in St. Louis. And you can say, well, he didn't have the proper players. Well, he had the number one pick of the draft, and he had the 32nd ranked offense. But nonetheless, just getting back to my original point, let's say a team says, hey, we're going back to the well. We're going after Josh McDaniels. If I'm Belichick, and I know everyone's linked this, Bill O'Brien coming back here would make a whole lot of sense to me. If you look at Bill O'Brien, he's a guy that think about this. Now, I know that it didn't end well for Bill O'Brien in Houston, but that had nothing to do with his actual coaching ability. Okay. He took that team to the playoffs multiple times. Heck, he went to the playoffs with Brian Hoyer one year, right? I mean, before even Deshaun, now he handled some stuff poorly in terms of the person, like you don't give up, you don't trade DeAndre Hopkins away for a second round draft pick and David Johnson. Like I understand that the guy was crappy as an executive in terms of when he actually got power there, but he is a good offensive coordinator. I go back to Bill O'Brien. You could look at the Patriots when this Patriots offense was really revolutionized, if you will, in what was that, 2011, right? When he came over, and if you look at it after McDaniels, yeah, because McDaniels takes over in, what, 2012. So if you look at 2011, the offense averaged 32.3 points per game. 32.3 points per game, or I should say McDaniels took over an 11 for O'Brien after the Patriots in 2010 averaged 32.3 points per game because he sort of revolutionized the offense with Gronk and Hernandez. And remember the other thing that Bill O'Brien did, 
And Bill O'Brien deserves a lot of credit for this. Heck, Brady gives him credit for this in Man in the Arena. He started the up-tempo stuff. Remember the Patriots that year? They were taking the league by storm because one of the things that Brady mentions in Man in the Arena is the fact that, remember, it was a shortened offseason because of the fact that there was a lockout in the NFL. So the Patriots felt like, okay, and he Belichick was part of this as well, of course, but part of their rationale was, okay, the defenses are not going to be in as good a shape as they ordinarily are. Let's go up-tempo to turn to, okay, man, that's an amazing offense for the Patriots. So, And they were able to use... Hernandez in different ways and Gronkowski in different ways. He kind of revolutionized the Patriots offense. And if you look at Bill O'Brien, now he has the experience of coaching at the collegiate level. Look at Brian Dayball as the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. Used the RPOs, used the play action a lot. He takes that to the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. You look at a guy like Bill O'Brien, he just did that same thing at Alabama this past season. And if you look at Bill O'Brien with Deshaun Watson, his last full season with Watson would have been 2019 because, of course, he got fired in 2020. 94 attempts out of play action that season and 65 RPOs. So if you look at that, Deshaun Watson, 31.5% of his passing attempts that season came out of RPOs and play action. Mac Jones this year at 26%. So if you do lose Josh McDaniels in the offseason, if he does end up getting a job, and I don't feel like he's going to get a job right now. It just doesn't feel like there's a lot of smoke right now in terms of linking Josh McDaniels to these head coaching positions. But if that does happen, the first call has got to be up to Bill O'Brien. And I would argue that I believe Bill O'Brien, from a play-calling standpoint, from a system standpoint, is actually better for Mac Jones. And another thing I would add to that is this. Just getting a new, fresh voice into the room instead of the same system for all these years. And I'm not completely blaming Josh McDaniels. I believe Bill Belichick deserves blame for this as well. It's an archaic offense that works with the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. You shouldn't be asking a guy in his first year at the age of 23 to run the offense that Tom Brady was. Now, I understand that they were doing a lot of stuff in terms of running the football, trying to take pressure off Mac Jones. But the reality of the situation is they failed to take advantage of the player's strength. And that's one of the most disappointing and one of the most aggravating things of this past season as a fan of the Patriots is you would think that a team led by Bill Belichick and with Josh McDaniels running the offense, that they would take advantage of what good of what Mac Jones was good at, and they didn't do it. And that's something that if you look back at the season, I feel good about where Mac Jones is right now in terms of I felt he was good in the game against Buffalo. I thought he fared well in that game. The pick to hide, I give that I say that's more of a great play than anything else. But I feel good about the progression of Mac Jones. Now I don't feel great about the weapons around him. But secondly, the other thing I would add to that is I would have felt even better if the Patriots actually used some of the stuff that make Mac Jones good. Like if you look at Saban at the collegiate level, say, hey, what does Mac do well? Okay, Steve Sarkeesian, RPO's play action with our guy. They decided to dig into what Mac does well. Nick Saban saw that with the player. Why didn't Bill Belichick see that with Mac? If Saban saw that with Mac, why didn't Bill Belichick? That's the thing that is sort of perplexing to me and sort of pisses me off that they didn't dig into it at all. Oh, Unbelievable. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So a lot more to get into, including this on the table all night. Will Belichick go after a receiver in the first or the second round? Will he trade for one, or will he go after one in free agency? Will he do any of those three things? I say yes. What do you think at 617-779-7937, the number? Plus, I want to get to this. If 
Mac is going to be successful long-term, the Pats have to build the team in one specific way. I'll get into that in just a little bit here on EEI. We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, we are with you until midnight. So do you agree with me that Bill is going to either draft a receiver in the first or second round, trade for one, or go after one in free agency, in free agency that he's going to make a big splash as it pertains to the receiver position? 617-779-7937, the number. I want you to mention this too, by the way. Like, I can't believe Tommy Curran's take that he doesn't think the Patriots need a legitimate number one option that they need that slot receiver like that'd be nice in Berrios yeah I mean come on like that'd be nice if they could get a slot receiver that'd be awesome but to say that they don't need a legitimate number one option I mean that's ridiculous this is and maybe he's like kind of being a contrarian because this is an Occam razor situation isn't it the Simplest explanation is probably the best explanation. Like, it's obvious. Everybody knows. Everybody that watched the Patriots last year can say they need a number one receiver or a number one tight end, but they spent money on tight ends. They're not going after a tight end. They need a legitimate number one option. It's the simplest explanation. It's also the best explanation. It's pretty damn obvious. So I feel like he's sort of trying to be a contrarian there. If he really doesn't believe, if he's watching football right now, and Tommy Curran's watched a whole lot of football, if he really doesn't believe that this team needs a number one option, I mean, he's insane. Look at all the teams at the NFL right now. All these really good teams have legitimate, bona fide number one receivers. So, or a tight end. Like, so if you're looking at the Patriots and say, yeah, you know what, let's take a Berrios in here and that solves your issues. Or let's take a Isaiah McKenzie in here and that solves your, that's not what you need. You need a legitimate number one option because I'll say this, Bourne, Major hit for Belichick in free agency. Really good player, but as a third or a second option. Braxton Berrios. Yeah. <laughs> Not as a number one option. He's very dynamic. Like he, he's really good, but he's not a number one option. Jacoby Myers, good player, possession receiver. Now, I would like him to get a little bit more yak. He's terrible when it comes to that. You know how many I yak yards he had the other day? Four. Yeah, Cooper Cup. He's 6'2. He's huge. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like not a big risk. He's 6'2". Anyway, let's get to, oh, before we get to him, by the way, 617-779-7937 is a number. David in Florida is here, which means it is time for his intro. Nah, 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 nah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Goodbye. David, what's up, man? Uh, I mean, I, I like the other intro you had during Red Sox season, you know. Um, which one did I? They what was well, it? they went. When they play well, they win. When they don't, they lose. Oh, you're you're. You, what'd you say? When the players play well, they win. When the players play poorly, they lose. Right? Maybe you could put together like my greatest hits. <laughs> we can try to do that, David. We got other things to talk about, but we'll we'll get on it. I'll get production on it. I oh, appreciate that. Appreciate that. I'll give you. I'll give you. Um, John Henry should sell the team to me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that one too. Yeah, that's when you told me yeah. you, you own multiple Fortune 500 companies. Well, it's no, it's when not. When the players play well, they win. Okay. When they play poorly, they lose. Now, I mean, first of all, I, I have to tell you tonight. I, I, I mean, I made a big mistake. Okay. And it's a mistake that I'm not going to do ever again. Uh oh. I, I refuse. 
to watch another Celtics game this season. You're done. I'm done. I will not watch another game. They are making me maybe even angrier than I was with those um, Purple Sox teams or the, you know, those fake Red Sox players, fake baseball players, because uh, it, it's just all this is, you know, I mean, they, they, they better rename that game because it's not basketball anymore. It's just like they should, like, rename it, like, Playground Ball or, or, or something like that because it's an embarrassment to – to all the predecessors who played in um, who played basketball earlier. Wait, hold on, David. Hold on, hold on for a second here. So you're saying, do you have an issue with the sport in general or with the Celtics? I'm confused. Both. Uh. Both. Both. Uh, I mean, there are a few teams out there. I mean, granted, I understand, and I reluctantly understand that the game is now predominantly about the three-point shot. But the Celtics just, just take it too far. Even considering that it's about the three-point shot. Yeah, they took uh, – David, far. I agree with you on that. They took 46 tonight. That's too many. I agree with you on that. Okay, so what, what was your Patriots open, point, David? What was your Patriots point? Well, uh, I mean, in addition to the fact that Bill should hire me as the offensive coordinator. Of course. Um, yeah. Um, they, they, there's obviously no doubt that they need to get a receiver, a couple of receivers. I mean, I don't know what, what – what, a number one receiver is, uh, I mean, they need to upgrade the receiving corps. Uh, I mean, and they need to, to someone, who, someone who can stretch the field, and they need someone, like you said, a, a slot receiver. Um, but, you know, defensively, too, I mean, they just, they didn't have any chemistry uh, in the last, the last four or five, six games after the, um, after the, um, the bye week. I mean, you know, just, David, I, I agree with uh, David. I appreciate the call as always, my friend. I do agree with goodbye. you. <laughs> His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. So David wants John Henry to sell him the Red Sox and he should be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. But he is right about the defense at the end of the season. It was a complete dumpster fire. And I'm really starting to project going forward with this defense that they need to clarify roles on this team and clarify roles as it pertains to the coaching staff. You can't have Gerard Mayo. If he's back, we'll see what happens with the Denver situation. A lot of candidates there. You can't have him be the inside linebackers coach. Steve Belichick, not have the official title of defensive coordinator, Bill Belichick doing his game planning with the defense and Matt Patricia's hovering around as well. It's just too many guys. They got to clarify that. And they just got to have one guy in charge of that defense. They've got to figure that crap out. Let's get to Terry. Who's in a car. What's up, Terry? How much? What's going on? Doing well, man. Doing well. So I was thinking the uh, the Patriots should really be looking into uh, tapping into the Alabama receiving pipeline. Um, I really look at Slade, Bolden, and Jameson Williams. Those guys have been doing really well this past year. And uh, you look at how the Alabama receivers have done in the past. You have Julio Jones. He's been really good. And Waddle and Devonta Smith. And what really got me thinking about it was you look at how well Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have reconnected his former college combination. I think it's a uh, situation the Patriots should look into. Yeah, I'm with you as it pertains to the Alabama receivers, and I appreciate the call, Terry. Although, Jamison Williams came over for Ohio State, so it wasn't like him and Mac Jones had. Uh, now, to the other guys, maybe Slade Bolden, et cetera, but it wasn't as if Mac Jones had time with Jamison Williams. But if you do look at it as it pertains to the Alabama receivers, they're all hitting. Waddle's a freak. 
You look at Devontae Smith, I would argue he would have had a much better season if he was actually in an offense that threw the ball. They just don't throw the ball very much. You see the catch he made the other day in that game? At the end of the game against the Buccaneers? I know the game was essentially over, but Devontae Smith's a really good player. He's just saying, like, if you're a receiver, that was the worst spot to go to. Now, we'll see what happens long term as it pertains to Hurts, but that's a terrible place to go to because they don't throw the damn football. I mean, they actually have, like... Goddard's a good player, and Devontae Smith's a good player, but the problem is they don't really throw the ball. Because Hurts can't throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's my point, though. Like, if you're a receiver, right, you're Devontae Smith, you're like, this is the guy that said he'd rather play for Mac, right? All the Alabama receivers said they'd rather play with Mac than Tua. Well, what do you think that means about Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts is not a great passer of the football. But the point being, if you look at it, and I know people get skittish with Bill drafting a receiver in the first round. He missed on Nikhil Harry. We all acknowledge that, but that shouldn't stop him from going back into the draft and drafting another one in the first round. Because if you look in recent history as it pertains to that position, these guys are hitting. Just look at last year's draft when I mentioned Waddle, but think about who went before him, Jamar Chase. And then Devontae Smith went in the first round as well. You go back to the year prior. Look at Justin Jefferson, absolute stud receiver. Even if you go back to the Harry draft, look at the guys that went after him as it pertains to A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. So receivers are coming out of the collegiate level better than they've ever been and more prepared than they've ever been to play at the NFL level. So I would keep going back into that if I'm Bill Belichick because he missed on to kill Harry. That's a reason not to do it again. Oh, screw that. I'd go right back into it. Let's get Jeff in Denver. Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, Brian. How you doing, hey, man? I love how Curran loves uh, Cooper and uh, Cooper Cup and uh, Braxton Berrios in the same bucket. <laughs> I know. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> yeah, Braxton Berrios, yeah. 26 yards a game. Cooper Cup, triple crown of receivers. Similar players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, yeah, so we do need one more sound receiver, and it could be a slot receiver like Edelman. But you know who's a free agent this year who might not cost a fortune? Who's that? Remember the Bills receiver who in the second game caught 11 passes against us? Oh, yeah, McKenzie, McKenzie. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a a free agent, and he's been uh, making only $1.2 million, so he might be available. And We we don't have a lot of cap space this year. I think we're ranked 31st in cap space, so it's a total opposite of last year. Yeah, I was impressed with McKenzie. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking a shot at him because, as you mentioned, he's not going to cost a whole lot of money. And obviously, Bill saw firsthand what he could do to his defensive backs in that particular game a couple of weeks. What was that, week 16? So, yeah, I wouldn't mind taking a shot at a guy like that. But I still believe, Jeff, that what Mac needs long term is that legitimate, bona fide number one option. And you may be right. And one other thing I wanted to mention about defense is we, we need three fast linebackers, including a linebacker on the edge like another Judon, because the defensive line is fairly good right now and will probably get better as Barmore evolves. If we can stop the run and have a great pass rush by adding a faster, younger linebackers, we won't need to invest a lot in the secondary. We can leave it pretty much as is, although we might have to tag JC depending on what's available. What, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm with you as it pertains to the linebackers, Jeff, and I appreciate the phone call. So when you think about the linebacker position, here's the thing. So McGroin's coming off an ACL injury, and a couple of people had him as a second or third round pick before his ACL injury at Michigan. He is one of those linebackers that can play the entire field. He's a linebacker, unlike the linebackers we've seen in recent history for the Patriots. So that's something to say, okay, maybe if he pops next year. And then at some point, Anthony Jennings was on IR this year. You've essentially gotten nothing out of him as a player. 
So we always talk about like the skill position players for the Patriots that they've missed on. They've missed on revamping this linebacking core. Collins obviously is not going to be back. Hightower, I believe, is going to retire. I wouldn't mind Van Noy coming back. I actually thought Van Noy was fine this season. He had a couple of – I thought he was great in that game that the Patriots beat the Bills in the Monday night game. He's the guy that kept Allen in the pocket, unlike when you had a guy like Matthew Judon that kept letting Allen get out of the pocket. But just in terms of that position, completely agree with Jeff. After a number one legitimate option at the receiver position, that would be my number two thing on the list. They have got to get younger and faster in the linebacking core. We saw it the last couple of weeks of the season. they got to get faster at that position. Hopefully McGroin's that guy that can step up next year as he'll essentially be a rookie coming off an injury because he didn't play all of last year. But you need to have some of these guys you've drafted recently pop. Bill had a great draft last year. If you think about it, Mack, Barmore and Ramondre Stevenson are his first three picks. All three of those guys, major contributors to this team last season. Really good players. So he needs to have another draft like that because we all know that he struggled for a couple of years there as it pertains to the draft. He's got to string a couple of good ones together. He's capable of it. He just proved last year he's capable of doing it. He's got to put another one together. And that would entail getting younger and faster in the linebacking corps. All right, a lot more to get into. Oh, and I will get to this. I told you Mack. If he's going to be successful long-term, the Pats have to build the team a specific way. I'll tell you what that is next here on EI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.